This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. Welcome back to another episode of Entertainment X. This episode is with Gabriella Garcia. We have a beautiful conversation. She discusses her journey through the arts, which took her and are taking her all over the world. This conversation fills my heart because by the end of it, we talk about some really great values and thoughts that I feel the world should think more about. And that's all I'm going to say. So enjoy the episode and keep on keeping on. And we're back. And today with me is Gabriela Garcia. Gabriela, thank you for taking this beautiful Saturday. Oh, my God. It's gorgeous. I'm like, the tourists are out. It's the sun is shining uh, in New York City. I was walking here and I was like, oh, my God. So we're just over Times Square right now. We're down. We're looking down on Times Square. We're right looking now. down on Times Square. And I was like, I don't think I've been in. I don't think I've been in Times Square on a Saturday in a long time. And it's crowded. It is. But it's a good thing. It's, it's like, a great thank you, thing. tourists, for coming to see our shows and, yes. and leave your money in the city. <laughs> <laughs> spend, spend, spend. <laughs> so I was introduced to you through Pilar, who's a great friend of mine. And I adore her. A light. She's sh- she shines. She is a shining bright star. And her and I saw one of your recent productions through Revolution Latina, which was it was this Shakespeare piece where you had students come from across the world, some of them never spoke English before, in three weeks, taught them that, taught them Shakespeare, memorized it, and performed it. It was incredible. Yeah, I'm still, like, I still don't know what to make of it because it was an incredible experience for us as well, and we've been doing it uh, for the past eight years, but particularly this year, there was something that really clicked with a group of students that just really uh, succeeded any other program that we've had. And... What really shocked me at the end of it, and I use the word shocked, is that that was some of the best understood Shakespeare that I've ever seen. Thank you. I knew what they were saying, you know, because that's like a heightened language and there's a lot of like gravitas underneath it. Right. And they brought it right down into the dirt, into the gritty, real nitty gritty of it. I don't know how to articulate that any better than it was. It was incredible. It was really, truly incredible. So thank you for doing that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about so much more. (laughs) I want to start, though, when you were a little girl. Okay. Going back to Mexico, which is where you grew up on and off. Yes. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about growing up. Uh, Were you always into theater and dance? Or was that something we kind of stumbled upon a little later? No. I was um, I was born and in, in, raised in the city of La Paz, which is in the Baja Peninsula of Mexico, Lower Baja, uh, close to Cabo San Lucas. For those who you know have been to that tourist place, just up north of that, okay. um, small city. And uh, my mom, actually, I was always dancing and singing, and I would memorize storybooks, Pinocchio in particular, and I was the entertainment for parties at four years old. It's like, can you, you know, uh, perform perform (laughs) for us? And I would just recite it. So when the very first ballet school opened up in my hometown, uh, my mom was friends with um, uh, Maestra Rosita Uribe, who was the one that uh, opened up the school, and, and she's like, why don't you bring Gabby? And from then on, I think, I never thought, twice about what I wanted to do. I think I just loved it. I loved starting with ballet and it was the Royal Academy syllabus so it was very structured and the discipline that it taught me was incredible and I just kept going and going and my parents saw that I had um, that I had a facility for that and uh, an opportunity came when my dad was transferred to Los Angeles to work for an airline company managing an airline company and so we mo- he moved the family to LA 
And here I was um, out of sixth grade in an all-girls um, Catholic school going into Los Angeles co-ed public school system. Mm. <laughs> that was mm. a little shocker. <laughs> <laughs> like a, yeah. It's like, ooh, this is different. Um, <laughs> but, and I spoke, I spoke some English, but I didn't speak it, you know, perfectly. Um, one of the things I thank my mother uh, for doing was not, allowing the teachers to put me in place me in an ESL class because she said no then she's going to start speaking Spanish with the kids that speak Spanish and I'd rather her struggle a little bit more and really learn English a little better so that's what happened and I w when I was in LA we found a, a ballet school uh, with a Russian teacher Anna Cheselka on Ventura Boulevard I don't think they're there anymore <laughs> but um, she taught me the real structure and basics of ballet um, so for those three years, um, I really progressed in that. And when we moved back to La Paz, um, when I was doing uh, for high school, uh, my teacher, um, I ki kind of surpassed her teaching, so she couldn't really teach me anymore. So I started working in my old school and teaching the little girls and teaching jazz, which I had been taught, and it was the new thing. And um, uh, so I started teaching at around 14 and choreographing for the school performances. And, um, you know, this is a beautiful, lovely city with just beach and all that. And to have a small school that's bringing that art to children, I think, was is great. I am certainly grateful for it because I don't know what my life would have been had I not had that. And... Um, my parents who always supported me whenever there was a summer course in Guadalajara, Mexico, or another larger city in Mexico, they would send me and I would do, you know, a week or a couple of weeks. Um, I went to the RAD uh, summer course in London. Um, after a tour, my mom and grandma and I took along Europe, and they dropped me off in London to do my ballet course, and they continued on, <laughs> so tagging it on, uh, but always supporting. And um, then I moved to Guadalajara to do a little bit of college. Um, a year and a half, uh, I was in communications um, at the ITESO University. And at the same time, I was dancing with a small ensemble company. But there was that struggle of, ah, oh, I can't fully commit to school, college, and I can't fully commit to the dance. So, and one of my teachers um, said to me, because often I would go, my, my college hours were four to eight. And in the morning, I would dance. So often, I would go to college all made up because I had a performance right after school. <laughs> so then from there, I would drive to the theater and perform. And one of the teachers said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to dance. And he said, well, then go dance. And I think I just needed that permission from an academic that said, it's OK. But if this is what you want to do, then do it. And at that point, I was about 18. And you know how short the lifespan of a ballet dancer is. So I was already old, you know, per se, at 18. If I stayed there, I felt I was just losing time and I wasn't getting in. I'm not going to get any younger. Um, so thankfully, I decided to. What was that conversation with the teacher who gave you the permission? Like how did that go? Did you hear them the first time? Did they have no, to say it a few I times? No, I think it was because I didn't do as well in one of my tests. So he called me in, um, and then we started a conversation, and he said, well, what is it that you want to do? I think I wasn't, I didn't have the time to really prepare for it because I was rehearsing, something mm. like that. Okay. And that's when the question just simply said, it was just that, what do you really want to do? And I said, I want to dance. And he said, well, girl, then go dance. Mm. And it was really that, okay, thank you. 
you know. And then, of course, uh, mom, dad, I'm, I'm not going to continue on with college after all you've spent. And uh, I want to go dance. <laughs> <It's like laughs> and were they understanding? You? They were, you know. They have been, I am, I've been so lucky to have to have the support of my parents for everything that I've wanted to do. I mean, they really literally showed me where my wings were and they said, take off. Um, but my dad always says, yeah, but I never told you to stay over there. <laughs> it's like so you were supposed to come back. Come exactly. Back. But yeah, okay. so opportunities came about. I auditioned for San Francisco Ballet School. They gave me a scholarship and I moved to San Francisco for a year. Um, then Pacific Northwest Ballet came to the SFB school for auditions and they offered me a full scholarship in their professional uh, student uh, class performing with the company and I said yes and then I moved even up a little more north to Seattle, always staying on the West Coast. Yeah. And that was an amazing experience. I mean, PMB at that time under Francia Russell and Kent Stoll was a beautiful, beautiful company, uh, balance sheet based. Um, and I got to perform all the, you know, serenade. I will never, ever forget that moment, Balanchine's first ballet. Because mm. when the curtain rises and just, just seeing yourself in those blue tutus and there's this one gesture where the hand just rises. And I, I mean, I can feel it whenever I think back. To me, that was like, okay, I've made it, you know. <laughs> I'm here <laughs> dancing with PMB, that I'm fulfilled. Aww. And I got a chance to do some of the, you know, major ballets, which was great. Yeah. Unfortunately, they couldn't get me a green card. Mm. Ah, so yeah. back I go to Mexico, to Guadalajara, <coughs> where um, I was dance. I went back and danced with uh, another ensemble company, uh, with my teacher Sergio Vicencio, who w- is uh, an amazing uh, professor, master at his craft, and. Already I had good technique, but the level he brought me to was incredible. And I I feel he taught me how to teach. Mm. Like he probably didn't know, but the way he taught has always stayed with me. And I think I have a lot of, I've learned a lot of that because teaching is something that has helped me survive all around the world. Are there some core things that stood out from his teaching, like principles? Yeah, um, just things like, what might work what might work for one person may not work for another so he wasn't generally giving corrections it's like for you you should you should do it this way because this is how your body is shaped but you need to adjust it in this manner because your body's different and that's one one big thing that i i learned from him okay now, when did Europe come into play? Am I jumping? I'm jumping. No, no, this is good because right after Guadalajara, I felt like that wasn't the place. It's like I still needed to do more. And I think. Did you know that when you got there or was that something you felt after you had been there? Um, I felt after I've been there because okay. I wanted to try it. Of course, I wanted to be in my you know home country. Yeah. Um, but it's like, no, this is not. I, c- I don't think I could decipher what it was, but I knew that wasn't my end p- place I needed to be mm. at um, and I, I went back to PNB for their nutcracker season nutcracker seasons they always hire mm. extra dancers because they need a, a whole lot of snowflakes and a lot of flowers <laughs> 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 so they said True. sure come on down but we can only pay you as a student and I'm like that's fine mm. and then while I was there um, which I, my training was impeccable um, and Francia said, we're so sorry, but we, are, we don't have the connections to get you a green card, unless I would have been in a prima ballerina, you know, uh, mm. status. And she said, why don't you try Europe? She suggested Europe. She said, there's a lot of companies there. Um, every city has its ballet. Um, and I think, you know, it was easier. 
And literally it was like, oh, okay. That's an option. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Yeah. So back I go home. It's like, mom, dad, I'm going to go to Europe. It's like, okay. Was this like a floodgates <laughs> of giving yourself permission after the one teacher did it? Like, was this a muscle that once you flexed it, it got easier um, to say Europe? I, I think I was just still looking for that next place because after PMB, I did audition. I auditioned for Houston Ballet, auditioned for different companies in the U.S., but it was always the same problem. We cannot hire you if you don't already have your working papers. And it was uh, very difficult. Mm. And then I said, okay, Europe sounds good to me, so mm. why not? I, I don't think I analyzed it. It was just like, oh, here's another option. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. And I had one aunt who was living in Vienna, and I tagged on to her and I said, I know she's in my hometown. I'll go back with her after Christmas. And at least I know one person. Yeah. And off I went, you know, with a bag and not knowing whether it was going to be a week, a month, a year. Eight. <laughs> Eight <laughs> and a half years. <laughs> so what kept you there? Um, for, well, initially I went looking for a ballet company. That was my mission. And Vienna, I was not particularly interested in. Mm. Uh, it was mostly Germany, but I thought, okay, I can put leave my bags there, and everything is so close in Europe that I could just take the train and, and travel around, which is what I did. I traveled around. I had like, a dance magazine in the back. It listed all the addresses of all the different companies. So I would call ahead, say, I'm, my name is so-and-so. I want to audition for the company. I'll be arriving at this day. Can I take company class? Mm. And literally, it was take the train, say to, I don't know, Frankfurt, uh, drop my stuff at the at the uh, youth hostel, go see the city. Next morning, take class. In the afternoon, gather my stuff, go to the next place. So that's how I, I jumped around and traveled for about six months, wow. um, which I think was a mistake because I wasn't focused enough in saying, if I, th if I thought, okay, what I want is Frankfurt Ballet, and I'm telling you, I want a Frankfurt Ballet. <laughs> this is one of Not those, if I were to come back in another life, thanks. Um, yeah. But I, I could have just stayed there yeah. until they hired me. Because yeah. that, you know, I, they were allowing me to take company class and it was great. But then I went to the next place and the next place. There was also a shift happening where many uh, directors of the uh, opera houses were being moved to different cities, so they were taking their own dancers, not hiring, and there was a lot of that going around. I think it was kind of destiny, you know, because when things are meant to happen, they will happen. And after six months of just going around and not getting anything, I went back to Vienna to get my, my ticket ready to go back to Mexico, and I didn't want to because how could I, Gabriela Garcia, say that I couldn't find work? No, that was just not in my vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> that's like <laughs> immense pride exactly it's like no i can't go back and say no and in a dance studio where i was taking ballet class training myself in in vienna one of the teachers was a choreographer and he said hey i'm looking for a couple of dancers to do this industrial show now we know industrials pay a lot of money and i thought wonderful here's the money that i need to stay until the next round of auditions mm. and this um through him, I started doing little musical things because he connected me with someone else that needed a dancer. Do you sing? Well, yeah, I sing. I'm not trained, but my family is all, you know, mm. we're from Mexico. We are born with a guitar and some maracas and, <laughs> <laughs> and there's always a party always at music. home. <laughs> always music. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, you know, I kind of like this dancing, mm. singing, uh, acting thing. And that's where it began? That's where it began. Well, the musical theater, I should say. Is where yes, that that's where that began. Okay. Because from in this dance studio, Studio Move On was called, in the Neubaugasse in Wien, um, I met uh, dancers that were in 
Freudiana, which is a German, a, a Viennese musical, original musical that was happening. And a lot of them were Americans that had gone abroad with uh, Phantom and Cats and then stayed. So they yeah. were working in the musical houses. And then there I met um, Kim Duddy, who is now one of the biggest choreographers around Europe um, for musical theater, who was teaching at Theater and Revine and was dance captain for that production. And she herself was choreographing a version of West Side Story. And someone told me, oh, you should go audition for her. Mm. And so I did, and she hired me as um, Rosalia and her dance captain. Now, I had no idea what a dance captain was. I'm like, is it kind of like a ballet mistress? Because <laughs> that's the <laughs> world that I came in, which it, it is similar. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and before that, you know, I needed to find a way to make money. And um, she also introduced me. They needed a, a, a substitute ballet teacher for the Theater and Bin Schule, which was kind of like a Juilliard at that time. Um, and I went and auditioned for the teaching position and got it immediately. So for about six months, that was my source of income, was teaching two, cla two ballet classes a day mm -hmm. for this school. Um, so it got all my teaching momentum going. Yeah. I want to talk about pride for a second. Yes. <laughs> that's sticking in my head. Is that from family? That is so from family. I think that's from my father. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It can be good and it can be bad. At that point, I think yeah. it served me because had I not been strong enough, I would have just you know, given up and gone back home. When can it be bad? Um, maybe when there's just too much that you're doing things for the wrong reason. You're doing things to prove yourself as opposed to doing things because mm. you love what you do and you know you still have to, uh, you know, somewhere to go. Mm. But if you're doing it just to show people that you, you know, then I don't think that's the right idea. Yeah. I knew that I didn't want to go back for that first, but also because I'm like, no, I know that there's something here for me. I'm not done yet. I just need to find a way to survive on my own. And that's mm. when these classes came. So it was bigger than, you know, it was bigger than pride. It yeah. was like, the, you know, like the destiny. Yeah, you exactly. Know. You just know. You know. Yeah, but that, that is, word. yeah, my dad was also, no, you know, always be the best you can be and top You're of Garcia. your game. You're <laughs> Garcia. For guys like you. Not just that. I am, I was my father's daughter, you know, so mm. the, there was something that came with that in our small community and society. So I think also like his reputation. Yeah, and I exactly. Okay, okay. And I and I think part of me going to Europe now years later when I think about it could have been a way for me to go I want to know who Gabriela Garcia is and not Gabriela Garcia daughter of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like your own. Exactly. Own so traveling Europe. Yes. Uh, travel is something I recommend to everyone. Oh, absolutely. It can open your mind to Intent, I, you just realize how small you are. Like, literally, just raindrops on a windshield is what we are. And yeah. it's to travel is to really see the other side of the world, the rest of the world, yeah. a lot of the world. I want to, I want to talk to you about that. Anything that stands out in your mind, things you saw that like left an imprint on you of like, oh, wow, the world is much larger, or what you learned about other cultures? Oh, anything? absolutely. I mean, first of all, I landed in, in Vienna. I mean, I, I had taken German in junior high school, but just very little, yeah. and it does no good to know how to ask a question if you don't understand what their answer is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but um, it's just fascinating. First, that like I grew up, my, my dad loved my parents both. Like um, there were always 
coffee tables with um, European paintings at our house. So I would just look at all those Renoirs and Picassos and Van Goghs and all that. And he loved classical music as well. So I grew up with Mozart and Bach and Handel. And so when I come to Vienna, it just seemed so familiar to me because I had grown up seeing those images and hearing that music. I also felt, um, uh, both in, in, in Austria and Germany, the family um, uh, uh, connection is very similar to Mexico. They're very connected. Mm-hmm. Like usually in the same place, you always will have like the grandparents living in the same uh, city as the parents and the children, and they always yeah. meet for holidays and holy days. Um, and uh, they, the, the eating habits are the same. It's like the afternoon is the main meal and dinner's a little lighter. Now it's changed. Now people just eat <laughs> whenever they want. <laughs> but it's um, <laughs> it's structured a little bit like that. Um, grammatically, the language also has similarities. Like you have the same um, uh, um, uh, adjectives for things. And there's a female and a male, and there's a there's a formal way of addressing a person and an informal way, which you have in Spanish as well. Yeah. So well, there are a lot of those things that resonated. There were similarities. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah, they. I noticed that because I spent some time in the Philippines, mm. and families live together in yep. the same house. You know, there's dividers and what have you. And I just, it m- gave me a big more, a l- much larger understanding of how much more I should love my own family, because yeah. that's not so. Key. It's, no, it's not so common here sure. in the states, exactly. And also, people, you At know, all. you you drift, like you right. go and find work somewhere else. I mean, now I'm yeah. I'm so far away from my family, but my brother still lives in my hometown, and so it's you know they they go in the mornings. Oh, we're gonna go have breakfast with my parents, and I'm like, oh, that's nice, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get back a lot? Um, not a, now that I have a niece and a goddaughter, um, same little one. I tr- I'm trying to get back more often. Okay. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about performing. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to know what does it do for you, and what does it do to you, when you're out there on that stage in front of it's, audience. It's like magic. It is. It's 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 transformation. It's plain. Yeah. It's joy. It's responsibility. There's just so many things that come. But it's just it's amazing. Like even if I've stayed away from it, the minute you step on a stage. Just the body just takes on a different form, and Doesn't it your breath—it's oh, <laughs> magical, right? Yeah. It's like I have the opportunity to tell this story to these people. It's—it's it's fascinating. It so makes me ed- happy. You're such an educator. I mean, you're teaching. Yeah. When you're on stage as well. Yeah. Um, speaking of teaching, are there any characters that stand out in your mind that have taught you a lot about yourself, or things you've learned about life from a particular character? I think one that stands out would be Velma Kelly in mm-hmm. Chicago. That was um, my first Chicago company was a Vienna company in German. Mm. And it was the very first time where I was not dance captain in a show because I was understudying a lead. Yeah. And so I was understudying Velma. <clears throat> I remember the very first time that I went on, I thought, oh my gosh, there is such responsibility in a lead role, carrying the entire show on your shoulders. Mm. That was huge. And by the fifth show, I had made it mine. It's like, I knew who my Velma was, and it what was a- amazing. What did that teach you about leadership? Um, people are watching. So you are representing the best of yourself when you're up there. 
on yeah. and off. Well, yeah, more off. Yeah, more yeah. off. Yeah. But when you're up there too, it's like you have that responsibility. You have to be on your game yeah. and yet be connected to everybody else on stage so that then the audience can really perceive that. And, you know, the responsibility that comes to that. I, up to that point, I'm telling you, every single day before I did my show, I would run the Velma Kelly track just for me, also because of the language, so that I would just, like, I didn't have to think about it, and I knew it was in there in case I needed to go on. And I was second cover. And then the first cast was sick. The second cast broke her arm, and then it's like, and you're on. <laughs> so it Sometimes does happen. Yeah, yeah. As a second cover, you hardly ever go on. And I had a great run. And it was several performances that uh, really allowed me to get to know that character, to get the stamina to do the show, and be able to just like blah, 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 Did get you those words out in German. Yeah. Had you run the show that day before they told you you were going on? Yeah. You do you yeah. every day. That yeah. Was and, they, and they told me early enough to do it. But every day I would do it. That was one, one because it was the first time that I was covering a lead role. Mm. Um, I'm like, I need to be on this, on top of this. So every day I would go to the gym, then go to the theater, r- run it up in the ballet salle, and just, you know, play the music and just do the whole thing, dance and all, because you need the stamina for that role. Yeah. Where does your discipline come from? Ballet, classical dance. <laughs> Easy enough answer. That, yeah, <laughs> I think that a little bit because I'm a Capricorn. So that, okay. that <laughs> very grounded. There you have it. Sometimes too grounded. Yeah. I've learned through the years. But I, I think my upbringing in the classical ballet world, really up to the professional level, to really um, teach me what it takes to be able to perfect something or mm. to really work on something until it just feels so organic. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a uh, particular show that comes to mind that has, well, my, okay. So my initial question was, what do you think theater can teach an average audience member? And then is there a show maybe that comes to mind that did that? I think it can teach anything that the writer wants people to know about. And it's just a a wonderful way to make it accessible uh, to make a specific story accessible. Mm. Now, you know, the way our musical theater or theater in general is changing, addressing all of the social uh, climate that's happening in, in around the world um, with integration and um, racism and all of those things. Those can be taught and placed into um, a beautiful story where you can actually relate yourself to that person. Um, it's changed. Now you see so much diversity on the stage, which is beautiful because that is our real world. Everywhere you go, we're all immigrants at one point or another. If it wasn't us, it was our grandparents or great-grandparents. But um, it's just beautiful that you are able to just drift away from whatever problems you have every day and just allow yourself to be driven by whatever is happening to those characters on stage. And I think you will always learn something. Always. Yeah. And I learned something the other day when I saw your show because mm. I was an, I'm, I'm a performer, but I'm also an, I'm an, when I was there, I was an average audience member and I learned a lot that I didn't know. And I was so I was just so am, I was just so amazed at the messages. I mean, there are so many messages yeah. that were being taught. And which is this is a little bit of a segue into Revolution Latina, <laughs> uh, 
what yeah, what are you what are you teach what do you want to teach through that? What are you teaching through that? Well, Re- Revolución Latina has been amazing in my life. Um, this is a nonprofit organization that was started 10 years ago by Luis Salgado and Michael Balderrama and myself. Um, at a time where in the heights was just starting to take off. Um, and there was still, you know, that thing of, oh, there aren't enough Latinos on Broadway stages. And so Luis Salgado, whom I had met on the set of Enchanted, the, mu- the movie, mm. uh, we had this great conversation about similarities and differences between Puerto Rico and Mexico. And we're like, ooh, stay tuned. We need to continue this. Yeah. And a year later, he approaches me and says, I want, I want you to um, be a part of this project that I have. And what he wanted to do was literally find all of the people we knew that had been or were currently on Broadway um, in, uh, that were of Latino descent and just do interviews and film them and put them up on a YouTube page so the community knew that they were being represented yeah. in the great white way. Yeah. Um, and so at the same time, In the Heights was coming up. And our office at Revolución Latina began on the top floor of the Richard Rogers because the oh, <laughs> they were all in, in the Heights. <laughs> and I was the one at Chicago, the musicals. I would walk over. We would meet upstairs and just kind of draft. It's like, what do we want to do next? We need to, why don't we give some workshops, you know? And that's how it started, just mm-hmm. the need. Why don't we open up and just give, have one of our Broadway friends teach a workshop? And uh-huh. I think Michael and Luis began with a little hip-hop thing, and then I eventually taught something. Um, our makeup person at the time at Chicago taught a makeup class to the Latino community, the artists. Uh-huh. And that's how it began. And as we went on um, w- developing our programs, uh, one of our volunteers had t- just taken a Shakespeare summer at the public taught by Ian Hersey, who was our master teacher for the production that you saw. Mm -hmm. And she said, you guys, we need to bring this to our community because what I learned was incredible. So we brought Ian in, and every time we did our Beyond Workshop series, which is what that program is called, the intensive training um, for artists, Ian was the the headliner there, and he worked with them, and we we saw the difference that it made, specifically on the non-English speakers, because they have to first understand what they're saying. I mean, Shakespeare text is already difficult enough for an English speaker, but you kind of take it for granted that you are already speaking English. And when you're a non-English speaker, it's like, okay, let me translate entirely what is the message of what I'm saying first. And then you just say it. So you're not stuck with the rhythm or it's just, now just say it. Just speak it as you would. And uh, for this specific production, we brought in Leon Inglesrud from City Company. So we integrated Suzuki and Viewpoints into that as well, which taught a different discipline. And then the beauty of having our uh, amazing choreographers, Matt Steffens, with his contemporary work, and Daniel Fetequa that comes with a limon technique, um, myself, Valeria Kosu with her uh, body percussion, and we're starting to add movement to sonnets. I mean, what that Which does... Which is really interesting. Yeah, right? That was really interesting. I, I mean, I've gotten letters from some of the students saying, I was intimidated by going into the program because I'm not a dancer. But you all spoke about it so beautifully that I just went ahead and did it. He said, uh, I have not felt this in my body as when, you know, when you did the choreography with us. Because it, 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 it was like, you are people that are telling a story. And let's just add gestures that would 
organically come from you yeah. to continue that thought as opposed to, and now let's dance and let's add a step because yeah. then it doesn't connect. And that program is specifically to teach you about yourself through the arts. It is not to get them to be better artists that they end up being. That's That just yeah. happens. That's but the byproduct. Exactly. Yeah. And we focus on the journey, not on the end result. Again, that just happens. So throughout that pr production, uh, Luis would stop them. Yeah. And he would tell them to do it in 45 seconds or a minute. And he was like really like keeping the audience and the performers, it seemed, on the edge of their seats. Yeah. Why? Because he wanted to, uh, one, he, he wanted to let the audience know that this was not a performance. This is our program. This is how we do our training. Two, because you have to be ready in any moment. Are you ready to take on the things that life throws at you? Because if you're not prepared, you're not going to get it. Mm. If you're not prepared, you're not going to deliver what you need to deliver. So it was about that. Are you ready? Have you done your work to be ready for anything? Three, because of freedom. Be free. Now try it this way. Allow yourself to, to feel how this feels differently. There's so much in our world that is so structured, and it has to fit in that little square, right? Mm -hmm. So in order to, you can still find a certain type of freedom, even in certain parameters. So how can you work in not feeling caged and yeah. be able to fully and truly be honest and show your colors. And there were so many colors. Oh my gosh, so many colors. I mean, that was like intense love, yes, hate, that. joy, pleasure, like intense. Yeah. From kids. Yeah. Or teens. Teens, <laughs> yes. Ah. Yeah, and the connection they had was incredible because, I mean, we had like 12 uh, students from Colombia, a couple from Mexico. Um, half of them didn't speak English. Uh, one of them had a breakdown the second day, and oh it's no. like, okay, so you have a choice. You can fly back tomorrow, or you can stick it out. You knew this program was going to be English, or there was going to be a lot of that. You know, uh, give yourself a challenge, and at the end, she was one of the ones reciting uh, the Hamlet monologue. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Oh, my goodness. In three weeks. That's what really got me. In three me. weeks. It was, um, the program was three weeks and then one week of just rehearsing, putting it together, and let's see what happens. And they, they really, without being cheesy, they really went beyond. No, I, I, <laughs> no, absolutely. And I told them, I'm like, I am learning from you every day. Like, I would yeah. watch them develop and grow. And I thought to myself, I need to remember to apply those things when I go into an audition room and yeah. really just be free. Know where you are. Take your time. Just do what you do best. Be present. Yeah, exactly. Dare to go beyond. Yes. I love, love it. I have it on my wrist here. <laughs> and we were talking right before yeah. we started that some days it's difficult. Some days it's very difficult. It is. <laughs> and you can, you can, you are held to, I guess, a little bit of responsibility when you're preaching that. You yep. got to live up to it and do it. How do you, uh, when you, when it's difficult, Yeah. how do you get yourself there to, Whatever I, that is. I mean, whatever that I is. I think Auditions, you, ha you have to allow yourself. Like, yeah, there, there's some days, you know, like I said to you, after our mom, you know, we came up with that motto, dare to go beyond. And that came because of an inspiration of a Marion Williamson poem that is in her book, The Return to Love, I think it's called. Okay. <clears throat> it's called Our Deepest Fear. And at the end, she talks about something about going beyond. Um, mm. And when Ali Solomon and myself were, were we were in charge of kind of creating a mission and that, and we were reading that, we're like, oh, dare to go beyond, and then it stuck. But yeah, there's some yeah. days where you know, in our in our business, you constantly have to be on, um, and 
doing your best and being your best. And there's some days where you just have to allow yourself to to cry a little <laughs> and say, you know, I'm not going to change. I'm going to stay in my pajamas the whole day. Yeah. And so there are some days where I'm like, I don't want to go beyond today. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to stay in the bed. I just want to stay. I don't care. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, God, okay, here we go. Yeah. No, no, just do. And I think the way of allowing yourself that is, you know, it's like when they say, if you only have a th- uh, 30% to give, then give 100% of that 30%. Always, you know, so, well, there you go. I like that. I really like that. No. (laughs) Yeah, because if, if, well, it doesn't matter. Like when you're feeling under the weather or not in your best, you know, we're human beings. Some things will, some days will be better than others. But if I only have 50% to give, I'm going to give 100% of that 50 Hmm. as opposed to just sticking with that. So I'm still going to be the best with what I have. Yeah. And um, I think that's how. I go beyond when I don't want to go beyond. <laughs> I mean, that's a great way to do it. Have you seen improvements with other when you enact that or when you think that? Have you? Oh, seen absolutely. The on yeah, because it, because then then it's not noticeable. Mm. You might be feeling that internally, but you can still perform your best. And you're still actually and going. You're, yeah, and 100%. you're still going. Okay, good. And then you yes, you do. You know, in this world, you have to find a balance. Life is about balance. You mm-hmm. have to find a balance. So then you can go and really take care of yourself. Because another thing that w- that we're very um, keen on is if. If you are not your best, you can't serve others. So you need to take care of you. And then you can just share away. And your cup runneth over. Yep. (laughs) Balance. Yes. What is your spiritual practice? Um, I owe a a dear friend of mine. I call her my angel. When I first arrived in Vienna and I did not know a soul, I'm like, okay, where do I go take class? And I thought, okay, well, the ballet at the opera, let me see if I can can go and take class with the company. So what do you do when you don't speak the language in a foreign land? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait outside the stage door until a dancer comes out. (laughs) And I did. There you go. And out comes this lovely girl that looked like a fairy, um, Mia Stag from Sweden. And I said, hi, excuse me, my name is so-and-so. And I was wondering, and she was so sweet. She's like, come back tomorrow at 9. I'll take, bring you with me. I'll say you're my friend. And then, you know, so they can allow you to take class. And I took company class for about, I don't know, three weeks or even longer while I was there yeah. um, because of her. And she, that I was, look, I didn't have a place to live. I was living with my aunt who played uh, at a hotel. So I was living in her hotel room. Mm. So Mia said, I'm subletting a big place. Why don't you stay with me while you find something? She meditated every morning. I had no idea what meditation was. But she would get up at 6. She's like, do you want to meditate with me? I'm like, oh, okay, what do I do? <laughs> She's like, just mm. think of a positive mantra and just stay with it for 20 minutes. And that's how I began meditation. And I owe to that practice the little that I knew of it, I think, is what got me through the difficult times until I found my way in Europe. Because um, I was still on my own trying to figure out where I was going to live, not speaking the language. And it was that frame of thought that things are going to line up. Things will be better. You know, that Mm -hmm. constantly telling yourself, no, just stick with it. Follow what is being placed in front of you. And that really helped me. So that meditation, I integrate. Then I actually took a meditation course here where I was assigned a mantra. So I do it. I try and do it twice a day. But 
every morning, as soon as I wake up, my 20-minute meditation, it just really gets me going. Yeah. Um, Is that I before coffee, before food? Before, before coffee, before everything. Okay. Yeah. And then um, getting myself to do yoga. I love the practice of yoga. Yeah. Not only because it feels good in your body, but it feels good for in my soul. Um, yeah. Oils. Love oils. I use doTERRA oils a lot. Just scents that will ignite something. If Which you're, ones? you're feeling down. Um, like peppermint is like, woof, let's let's go or when you have a little yeah. headache um peppermint will help you focus too mm -hmm. lavender you know when you're uneasy and you want to relax a little bit lavender and the in the soles of your feet temples before you go to bed um i love um lemon like two drops of, of the lemon oil in my water in the mornings oh. it's really great to cleanse your system or also just lime or lemon diffusing it in the morning because it's like, and lemongrass, I love that because it's like, ooh, wake me up, right? Yeah, it's, And yeah, those it's, are, yeah. yeah, so it's like integrating the oils with the practice. Sometimes I'm diffusing oils while I do my yoga or while I'm meditating. And all those elements just, just help me kind of tune in, see where I am, um, also figure out if there's something hurting in my body, just kind of sending it the message of it's going to be okay, release. And you find mm. ways, you know, um, and especially being a dancer, you, you with all the PT that I've had in my life, <laughs> <laughs> I find and I learn ways in which I can take care of myself. Yeah. And I read this great book about eight years back called Anatomy of the Spirit by, I think her last name is Weiss. I want to say Marilyn Weiss. Okay. Um, but it taught me, it was very interesting. I, I grew up really Catholic, mm. but there was a point in my life where I started questioning a lot of things. And reading that book really put everything in perspective um, in a spiritual way. So my meditation, like instead of uh, praying uh, the rosary, I meditate for 20 minutes. And it's basically the same. It's a connection. It just resonates more with me to do it in that way, to find a connection. Yeah. So I do believe we are divine beings. I do believe we're all born with all these amazing um, uh, energy that we sometimes forget or don't allow ourselves to tune into. Mm -hmm. And I feel as we mature, um, you know, our, our some things become more important than others. And I have learned about myself a lot through the years. And this is one of the things that I think I'm more awake, I'm more conscious of what works for me, of things that, that are important in life, in, in things that are important for others, in how to serve a community better. Um, and that book really taught me a lot. And also it just tunes into, yes, we can all heal ourselves. It's the approach of how you think about it and how to stay balanced when you're living in, in, in a world like this, you know, that's so quick. Yeah, so fast-paced. Have you have you found your purpose? I believe so. I think um, as much as I tried to stay away from it for a long time, like once I, I came to New York and I got Chicago on Broadway, it's like, okay, great, I'm on Broadway. Yeah. No, I'm just going to do that. I'm not teaching. And I kind of left teaching for a lot of reasons. I'm like, no, I did that. I don't want to do it anymore. When I left the show... Um, you know, my main source of income was my voiceover work. Um, and then I thought, you know what, why not start teaching again? Because the voiceover industry changed and that wasn't working anymore. And that's another thing you have to know when things aren't working, you got to switch it up. So it's like, okay, that's not working. What can I take on? I thought, well, let's start teaching again. Mm. And um, I started teaching for Joffrey Ballet School. And I loved it. I used to teach company class in the contemporary company that I danced with in Cologne in Germany. 
Um, and I used to teach a lot there. That's how I survived. Mm. And then taking that on again, I found the love for it again, which was great. And I'm a good teacher. I, I always tell my students and anyone, it's like you have to, you have to tap yourself on the shoulder. You have to, you have to know what you're good at. And I do think that um, I am good at that. I hear it from my students. I see it in the students. Um, so I feel that as much as sometimes I'm like, no, I don't want to teach, you know, or it's not, I don't want to be in such an academic world. Um, but when I do things for Revolución Latina or I'm, I go to different places around the world to teach workshops, I think there's a, there's a, I'm meant to be doing that, you know. And again, yeah, to educate to educate mm. and also just by being yourself. I mean, you have no idea sometimes how something you said or did is going to trigger. Like just in our last workshop, I just did what I th felt. Louis said, you choreographed to Sonnet 138. It's like, okay. So I'm like, how can I get inspired? The one music piece of music wasn't working. Then the next morning I put something else that really resonated with me and everything just came. So I taught that and in the end, their faces, I was even astounded. I'm like, wow. That actually, that's not half bad. <laughs> Don't you love when that happens? Yes. You're like, wait, and did someone record clapping. that? They're like, oh my God, that was so beautiful. You made us. And it's the oh. way you're saying it, you know, because it's not just movement. It's, this is a relationship and specifically Sonnet 138 about two people that are in love, but they both know that they're both lying. So they know if they tell the truth, things might fall apart. So the question was, are you willing to stay in a relationship to feel love, even if the relationship is based on a lie? So oh, there was all that on top of the movement, right? So it just, I'm like, you bring your own experience to it. Because everybody's experience is different. Yeah. But even that, you know, the way you say it, the way you approach it, it's life. You're putting, you know, this, this beautiful um, hat on, <laughs> if you, if, if, if you want to call it that way, to, to a piece of life, to an experience, through the words of. Mm. And even when I teach... Um, the Latin American students, which have a very, you know, this culture, they're, they're very respectful, yes, but they need to loosen up. And it's like, allow yourself to be free, make mistakes, fall on the floor, you know, laugh at yourself. Oh, yeah. why is that so hard? I, when I was a ballerina, oh, please, don't laugh at me, don't laugh at myself. Yeah. I, you know, banging on the, my head on the wall if something didn't work out. And then you learn, it's like, it's okay. Yeah. You need to enjoy what you do or how can you bring joy to something? So you're not always going to be giving something that you really like, mm -hmm. but it's up to you to make that choice. Do I want to struggle with it or do I want to make it work for me and how? And how? Yeah. And that's social conditioning. Yeah. To take everything too yeah. seriously. And, and I think that comes with um, experience, you know? experience growing up going through things no matter how many times people tell you a certain thing you may not listen until it actually happens but that's you know that's what you need to go through until you you get it or until you go okay you have to want to find it yes. you have to want to seek that yeah otherwise you won't i was coming up in the elevator and these stories it, it always astonishes me when i see these stories because prior like over a year ago i was not i was not as aware on feelings as much as i am now and just just a soft focus, awareness, not reacting immediately when the subway is going to be delayed and like, you know, getting angry. And I was coming up the elevator and there was someone who was so mad <laughs> that the elevator only went to the fourth floor and then you had to walk across oh, the right. lobby to go up. And then she like, wouldn't stop talking about how inconvenient it was and was kind of trying to get me to agree. 
And I was smiling and I was like, it's sunny outside. Exactly. And I'm alive. Yes. And life's short. And none of us are getting out alive. (laughs) You could do whatever you want. You will not survive this. Yeah. So enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And that just what you said, life's short. So many... In the past year, I've had um, a lot of uh, people that I love um, pass away, and I always feel a responsibility to continue to live for those, and I get teary-eyed, continue to live for those who didn't get the chance to. It's like, okay, they were taken way too too soon. That's powerful. And exactly, and I feel like, no, whatever things happen, look, I'm still here. I can still make a difference. I can still, you know, enjoy this. Some people don't even have that choice. So that's something that, again, experience. And as I get older, it really resonates. And I I feel that we're all responsible for that, to make the most out of what we have here. Because, you know, you never know. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.